Hi, friends. Welcome to Created to Connect, a podcast that focuses on understanding our need and desire for relationships and how to overcome the obstacles that prevent us from truly connecting with God and each other. Join me on this journey as I discuss how family upbringing, cultural shifts, and the modern church have impacted how we relate. By applying God's word to our lives, we can begin to understand why he designed us to be in relationship with him and with others. I'm Sam Landa. Welcome to Created to Connect. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 10 of Created to Connect podcast. This is very, very exciting. As you guys may know, uh, getting to 10 episodes is a milestone in and of itself. Uh, I mean, it goes by fast. It's just crazy to see that um, I've already recorded 10 episodes. So I'm looking forward to hitting 25 and 50 and then 100 and hopefully just keep it keep pushing it forward and um so thank you guys just for tuning in today um i was trying to think of a fancy way or a very cool way to kind of present this uh this episode uh nothing really came to mind you know i just added a little balloon celebration type thing on the uh, slide that i have for this episode but that's about it you know uh the topic uh came from a conversation that i was having with my wife uh last week about just how bad company corrupts good morals and how we need to assess our inner circles and how having solid Christian godly friends in that circle along with mentors can be very beneficial to our spiritual growth. But one thing that we don't often look at is how the negative influences maybe that we have in our lives do not allow us to grow in our walk with Christ, and they actually even pull us away. I mean, there's a lot of people that will pull away from the Lord when they are not surrounded by strong Bible-believing Christians, and they tend to associate too much with those who are non-believers in in wanting to minister to them, but not actually ministering to them. And I'm going to explain a little bit about that in this episode. Um, hopefully, the main idea behind all of this is that you know your circle of friends and how they impact you. Uh, who do you need in that inner circle to grow in your walk with Christ? And this will give you an understanding of of why you may not be growing and what you can do about it. Um, my hope is that you'll be able to identify mentors, uh, you know, Christ-centered community, and who your mission field is. And if you have non-Christian friends, they are your mission field. Okay, so hopefully this episode helps you be discerning who you include in your circle of of influence. So before we begin, as always, I just want to thank you for tuning in. Again, this podcast doesn't move forward without you. Well, you know, honestly, I continue to do it um, because I received, what was it? I think it was last week. I, I received a uh, an email and it was just a friend just just checking in and, and asking about uh, something else. But I wasn't I didn't realize, obviously, that he was tuning in or that he was seeing my post about the podcast. And he said, you know, hey, great job with your ministry. Hopefully you're touching a lot of people's lives. And it made me reflect a little bit because I started thinking about this more as a ministry. And it, it started off that way. But when he said it, I started to think about it even more so. Uh, I'm ho- how my hope is that this 
uh, podcast is ministering to each of you that you're able to take some nuggets of wisdom. I don't want to deviate from giving you biblical, practical truths um, that can help you grow in your walk with Christ. I want to stay committed to that and I want to stay focused on how your relationship with God and how your relationship with others is impacted by certain barriers in your life. And one of them, obviously, as we'll be discussing today, is bad company in your circle. So we're going to look into that. But um, again, just thank you for tuning in. Uh, If you get the chance, I would really appreciate if you can leave a review on the iTunes app. Um, So just doing that again just continues to expand the reach of this podcast and allows for more people to tune in. So do that at the end of this at the end of this episode. Um, also, I mean, another way to kind of continue to get the word out is, you know, share, comment, like, uh, just engage with the posts that I, that I put up. And that also obviously provides more reach for uh, for the podcast and my my podcast Facebook page. So the more interaction, the better. OK, so let's go ahead and get started into today's topic okay so i I titled this topic or this episode bad company corrupts good morals assessing your inner circle so a big part of knowing or or understanding your walk with christ is trying to see who's influencing you the most who has the most influence in your life and for some people, it can be their best friend. For others, it can be their parents. For others, it can be a spouse. And and you need to understand what kind of role each of those people have in your life. So I've identified just three types of people that should be included in your life. Okay. Number one, mentors. Okay. You should have mentors in your life, at least one. And I'm working on a chart right now that shows a a diagram of the role of the mentor, your role, your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and how you can also disciple other people. So I'm hoping to have that to you guys by the end of this week. I've been working out some details. But anyways, just the role of mentors are important because you need to find people who are more mature in their walk with Christ so you can see how they are, and how they're walking with the Lord and what you can learn from them. You know, Romans 13, 7 speaks to this where he says, uh, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Okay, and Paul again says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Okay, so it is important to have mentors in your life, at least one. You know, sometimes for whatever reason, you know, schedules don't work out or it's just hard to find people who have the time to mentor. Trust me, you can find what it just takes a lot of hard work to to actually find someone who um, who does have the time. But keep seeking, keep asking God to put someone in your life. And I, you know, he'll put someone someone there in a person that that you need. OK, and one important thing to to keep in mind is. Don't focus on the flaws of this person, okay? Find someone who is speaking to you the Word of God, who is living out their Christian faith, who is loving God, loving others. Just 
find someone who has those characteristics. Don't start pointing out every single flaw that you see in that person because obviously you have flaws as well. I have flaws and part that that would that would uh insinuate that we can't mentor other people because of our flaws, okay? Now, perpetual unconfessed sin is not the same thing as having a flaw. Okay, so if you see where sin is rampant in the person's life or they're just not living consistently, that's different than a person who is wanting to honor God and um, and has some flaws um, to work out. Okay, so that's different. So focus on their commitment to live out God's word, their pursuance of community with others, and their love for people. Okay, so seek out mentors. So this is your inner circle. Mentors, number two, Christian friends, right? This is your community. These are the people that you spend a lot of time with, okay? Whether it be at church, at your home group, at uh, other events, seek out Christian friends who can pour into you and who you can be honest with about where you are in your life, okay? The whole purpose of having this Christian community so that we can um, encourage one another in our walk with Christ and spur one another to good works, Okay, Hebrews ten twenty three to 25 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Right, so as we continue to draw closer and closer to Christ's return, we should be trying to find ways to continue to come together and spurring each other to good works. Okay, so that's number two. And then lastly, number three are non-believers, okay? So this is where we will need some discernment. I'm going to explain a little bit deeper in in the next section, but non-believers, right? Jesus' command to us was to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, right? Mark 16, 15. So that is that is our duty. That is a command that Jesus gave us to go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Okay, so in that journey, you're going to encounter people who are not believers, obviously. And when we meet those people, we want to make sure that they hear the gospel from us, but also that they see it lived out. Guys, there's nothing more frustrating to me, and I think to many of you as well, than seeing someone, whether it be someone famous, someone that you know, someone, just someone who has a position of authority or a lot of influence in other people's lives, who says that they're Christian and their lives just reflect the total opposite. Um, That's very, very frustrating because it, 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 um, sets a bad example for people and it makes people think that well if you're a christian you're living that way then i can do the same thing or you know well what's the point of being a christian i'm fine with where i where i am so it it, it's one of those things that is um can be damaging to the gospel god god's going to carry out his will no matter what but it doesn't help when we uh either put people on a pedestal who are living a double life or are us ourselves even more importantly are doing that as well okay so we need to find ways to connect with people we want to create bridges right 
we want to make bridges with as many people as possible. And Paul speaks to this, right? In 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you, right? He wanted to build a bridge with the people he wanted to share the gospel with. And sometimes this meant participating in the Jewish purification ceremonies for him, even though that wasn't needed for his own life. He didn't need to do that, right? But this was part part of engaging people is knowing what it is that they need and how to meet that need within their culture. It, it reminded me, as I was thinking about this, this passage, it reminded me about years ago, um, we went on a mission trip to Rwanda. And part of their praise and worship was, you know, playing the music, dancing, singing unto the Lord. And for me, coming from a Southern Baptist background, I just wasn't used to that. So it took me a while, but, you know, um, there was another event that they held. And I, I don't think I participated when they were doing that at church. They did have, obviously, the preaching uh, of the gospel afterwards. Um, but that was a cultural thing. So in order for me to build a bridge with them, I could have taken, uh, got out of my comfort zone, and participated in that. Now, obviously, if you know me, I'm not the greatest dancer. I don't even know what I'm doing. But just participating, right? A lot of people appreciate when you're able to participate in something that they hold dear to them. So that was what that was what I could have done. So thankfully, God provided another opportunity in which I was able to participate. And you do see a difference because people respond to that when they see that you're willing to to get out of your comfort zone, they appreciate that as would any person, right? So this verse really came to life as I was reminiscing on that trip. But all of that to say is that know what the needs of the people are and what can help you create bridges so you can have opportunities to share the gospel, okay? That is going to be what you're looking for here. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, so I, I have... Mentors, you said, assessing who's in my circle, how many mentors you have, who are your Christian friends, and what non-believers are in that circle as well. It's it's an interesting role that non-believers play because they're not part of that inner circle in the sense that uh, they're supposed to be influencing you, right? But when you do let people into that inner circle, the reality is that they do influence you, right? So we need to learn how to, and know who to keep and who to kind of let go um, <clears throat> in that inner circle, okay, or from that inner circle. So let's first see who do we need to keep within that circle, okay? Who do we need to have within that circle so that our bad company does not corrupt the good morals that you have established, right? And again, good morals is not just good behavior, right? We're talking about Christians who have had a, a, a change of heart, who have allowed Christ to change them from the inside out and are living out their faith on a daily basis, okay? So those are the people that you want to have in your inner circle. If they're non-believers in your inner circle, you need to have a mission, right? We have a mission-focused mentality in that we want to bring them to the knowledge of Christ, okay? So in keeping friends within that circle, just look for some basic characteristics, okay? There, there's three characteristics that we should seek out when looking for um, 
that inner circle or who should be part of that inner circle. Okay, so there's three three big ones, unity, love, and humility. And the reason why I mentioned these is because these have to deal with the one another's, okay? The love one another's, the bear one another's burdens, forgiving one another's, and so on. <clears throat> In fact, one third of them have to deal with this idea of unity and dealing with the church getting along, okay? Remember that the church is our family. And just like any other family, we may have disagreements and arguments about those disagreements, but we are still encouraged and even admonished to be at peace with one another, to accept one another, to not challenge or envy one another, to bear with one another and forgive one another and seek the good of each other, and even confessing our sins to one another, right? I mean, any family <clears throat> that you know, including your own, right, has disagreements. And part of those disagreements is learning how to deal with them, right? You're never going to agree 100% with someone else. Now, you may have a lot of the same stances on on some issues and on church and on Christian life and so on. But <clears throat> but the idea is that we need to seek unity, okay? To be this like, uh, have the same mind as much as possible. Now, the second aspect of the one another's is the love one another's, right? Actually, one third of the one another's instruct us Christians love one another, to serve one another, to be devoted to one another. So you see is in many, many verses, and that is something that we do need to continue to focus on. So the people that you have in that inner circle, do they exemplify that? Do they serve other people? Are they devoted to each other? And how do they show love to one another? Again, if you can surround yourself with these people, other Christians in your inner circle, then you can also withstand the pressures of the bad company that can corrupt uh, maybe uh, your doctrine, uh, what you actually believe, um, and so on. And then lastly, humility. And this one is so, so important to that inner circle because um, it is not something that comes or that is natural to us. It doesn't come natural for us to act in humility, right? Uh, I mean, a couple of examples that we can think of even in the scriptures, right? The idea of washing one another's feet to serve one another, to be subject to one another, and to regard one another as more important than ourselves. I mean, these are these are difficult things to do. You know, 50%, 15% of the one another stress this attitude of humility and deference among believers. So it's definitely key for us to understand what that actually means and how to apply it to our lives. So once you have this inner circle and you have these, uh, the circle of, of friends who exemplify love, humility, and unity, then you can start to assess, okay, so who's my mission field? Who in my circle of influence is my mission field? And in that circle of influence, you're going to have some non-believers, right? And what you want to do with non-believers is that you want to build bridges. Again, you have to have a mission-focused mentality, okay? It, it's not just the time to hang out. So three points to take from this when you think about um, friends 
that are in your inner circle that are not believers and how to have a mission-focused mentality. Number one, understand that friendship with non-believers needs to be mission-focused, not just a time to hang out. Okay, just hanging out with non-believing friends is not a good thing, right? We need to have a mission. Yes, we need to love them. We need to serve them. We need to relate to them. All of those things are good, and that's one way to exemplify and model for them what Christ does for us. But at the same time, we also need to discuss Jesus, the Bible, and relate that to the mission or to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because one of the biggest confusions that non-believers have is that they will just think that you are a good person, right? They can just think that you are a good person. I know a lot of good people. A lot of good people in the sense that they do a lot of good things, but they are not good at their core like none of us are. But that is the perception and understanding that non-believers take is that, oh, you're such a good person. I'd love to have a friend like you. Right. So you need to have the mission focus where you do bring up Jesus. You do bring up the Bible. Any any topics related to um, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So have that in mind, okay? Uh, number two, understand that friendship with non-believers should not be more than the time you spend with other believers, okay? And this is this is a simple principle of exposure, right? If you're exposed more to uh, non-Christian friends, you're going to be influenced by those non-Christian friends. If you have more exposure to a Christ-centered community, then you're going to also be influenced by them but definitely the percentage needs to be greater with your christian friends again because they sharpen you they're able to continually remind you of truth they're able to keep an eye out for you how you're changing how you're growing how you're learning and so on i mean we've all probably experienced this at some point where you see a friend who is spending time with someone and you know it, most of the time it happens in dating right they they make compromises on who they're dating it's a non-believer and you see them change right and if you don't have a solid christian community they're not going to be able to notice those things right so understand that your time needs to be spent more with other believers than it is with non-believers okay spending time with non-believers is not conducive to your Christian growth if there is no mission behind it, okay? If you are sharing the gospel, then it can be helpful to your growth, okay? Don't trick yourself into thinking that you can grow when you have limited time with other believers, okay? The Bible says that him who takes thinks he stand, take heed lest he fall, right? No one is above being influenced by non-believers okay we always need to be on guard remember we're at war with sin okay community is important god made us for community with himself and other believers non-believers will not push us in that direction so we need to be wise about who we spend time with okay and this leads to a third point which i was i just referenced right understand that you are prone to falling back to your former lifestyle than it is for non-believers to fall forward to a new life in Christ, right? And what I mean by that is essentially that it is much easier for us to go back to an old life that we knew 
than it is for non-believers to come to a new life that they don't know. We are new creatures in Christ, but we also need to be wise about who we spend time with. So we are encouraged to seek community for encouragement and correction. Why? Because friends, our Christian friends, can encourage us when we're feeling down about not being able to reach certain people in our inner circle, those who are non-believers, right? And and usually what's interesting about this is that it's usually a family member or a, a close friend, someone that we grew up with or someone that we've been wanting to reach for the longest time and just haven't, and it can get discouraging. So seeking community for encouragement is essential and correction in the sense that if you are moving away from biblical truth or if there's just a change in your life that seems off and you're connected to your Christian circle, um, they will be able to call you out on that, right? They will be able to use God's word to reprove you right to correct you to train you in righteousness as it says in second timothy uh, 3 16 to 17 but why why is this necessary because so that the man of god may be complete and equipped for every good work so that's why it's important to have a inner circle of bible believing christ-centered christians right who are going to be able to stay on the same path that we all need to be on and again them being able to speak truth into your life is going to be essential and part of this community is that we grow in truth and grace right we have to understand what god's word says about our identity in christ how we need to develop community with other believers and how to engage with non-believers okay and the biggest thing that we can take from all of this when it comes to how bad company can corrupt good morals is that we need to extend love and grace to them right we need to be filled with biblical truth but also in our relationship with them is to extend love and grace to them we have to build a mindset that no one is too far from christ and that god is doing something in their hearts but again you have to be mission focused that this doesn't just come from spending time with your non-christian friends you have to be mission focused Right. We know that not, not everyone is going to accept Christ. We know that. But we can't take it upon ourselves to determine who those people are because we just don't know. Right? Have hope that what you're doing, having that mindset, uh, that mission mindset, and what you're doing, um, God is doing work in their hearts. Keep building bridges, friends. Keep seeking community. Stay close to biblical truth. Seek God and allow him to continue to work in your life through that inner circle. So thank you guys for tuning in today. And as just a friendly reminder, if you can leave a review on iTunes, just click the stars, you know, click five stars, and that's all you need to do. If you want to add a comment, then even better. I always read those whenever I receive them. So thank you guys. Have a great day.